Whether she belly dances or she doesn't belly dance, whether she wears a mini skirt or doesn't, whether she has uh, men, male friends or female friends, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, the way she carries herself is how people will see her. Welcome to Belly Dance Live podcast. My name is Jana Komarnitska. I'm a full-time dancer based in Toronto, performing a variety of Middle Eastern and Central Asian dance styles, including belly dance. You can find me at janadance.com as well as on Insta or Facebook by Jana Dance or Jana Komarnitska. I'm happy you've decided to join us for this weekly dose of dance inspiration because here on this podcast we explore all nuances and insights into lifestyle of ballet dancers and we are having amazing star guests who share their stories secrets and tips with you Before we dive into this episode I'd like to thank Ballet Dance Evolution for supporting our podcast Balladance Evolution is a revolutionary company that explores, celebrates, and reimagines Middle Eastern and Western dance. Created by Jelena Carlano, they perform across the globe, and you can become a part of their shows too. The casting call is open until July 29th for their latest production, Phantasm 1001 Nights, to be presented in Mexico City. So don't postpone submitting your online application. For more information, head over to their website, balladanceevolution.com. Hello guys, welcome to another show of Balladance live podcast and I am uh, uh, very, very excited today because I have a guest from India, Meher Malik and uh, just a little, a few highlights of what uh, this amazing artist uh, does and her experience. She was uh, raised and lived in Middle East uh, for 17 years and then she moved to India in 2006 she's founder of banjara dance school which we'll talk a lot today about i hopefully and also one of the uh, recent highlights uh, was her huge recognition in india got talent uh, show in 2009 that then she inspired and motivated so many women to go and pursue their dance uh, dreams so i'm very excited to talk about all this and so much much more on uh, today's show and welcome to the podcast Meher. Thank you so much. I'm very very excited uh, to talk and dig into all the things uh, that Balladance brought uh, uh, to your life and to life of other women uh, that you inspired today and motivate but I always start uh, our conversation with sort of the same uh, question. I know you lived uh, in Middle East, so probably dance was surrounding you <laughs> around, but how did it become your profession or more serious focus for a uh, career? Can you, can you um, get us back a little bit and uh, give a little tour on how dance become, became such important part of your life? <laughs> of course, I would be happy to. Um, so when I was about six months old, I was born in, in India. And when I was about six months old, we, my family moved to Oman, which is, we lived in Muscat. And, um, actually, unlike what most people think, 
you know, how they think that probably belly dance exists in the Middle East everywhere and you can see it and you can learn it and you can, um, you know, it's part of the society. It's not actually true because in the Middle East, for many, many years, belly dancing was actually not taken very seriously. It was also banned in some countries. Um, and also it was not really looked at with a lot of respect. Um, so the only the only situations you could actually see belly dance is like um, what the only situations you could actually see it is maybe at a, a new, new Year's Eve party or maybe uh, at like a private private function or private gig. Uh, or maybe um, when men and women get married, but like separate, the function happens separately. So when women celebrated together, you could also see it when women danced it for each other in like a private setting. So actually, contrary to what most people think, it wasn't so easy to access belly dance for me. What was easy was the language, of course, because I was surrounded by a language that the music for belly dance is created in, which is Arabic. Um, what 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 I was also um, influenced by was the people and the culture. So I obviously watched movies, and I I had Arab friends, and and I think that is what made one very big impact also on me. But it was quite difficult for me to access the dance, um, and I would say that my 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 life, my dancing life, did not actually start with belly dancing. You know, in when you are expats inside another community, you try very hard to conserve or to like to preserve your own culture. So my first, actually, my first interaction with dance professionally or like as a student of dance was with a classical Indian dance called Bharatanatyam. So in in the Middle East, um, in the Middle East, many South Indians. Uh, actually, many, many South Indians from Kerala and Tamil Nadu go and live as, you know, and they work in the Middle East. So it's quite easy, actually, to have access to a classical Indian dance from South India. Actually, more easy than having access to belly dancing, to be honest. Because you see, when the community, it's like, you know, how, you know, in in in, in the States or in, in Canada or in different parts of the world, how you have like Little India or Chinatown, you know, it's it's like you have these little, little um, people that want to conserve their culture in those cities because that's all they have, you know. So the same way, it's like I was I had access to classical Indian dance. And that is actually where my 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 learning of dancing professionally started when I was seven years old. And then. As, as I got older through the years, there was a little experience or a little exposure to belly dance, like I said, at some parties, at some weddings, with some friends. Um, when I was 14, I went on my first school trip to Cairo. So that is actually when I truly, truly observed and came face to face with true belly dance. You know, we saw it in um, parties, we saw it in the Nile cruise, and that's when belly dance actually left like a like a deep impact on me. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, it would be so great if someday I would get a chance to study this dancing style. But before that, I was still only dancing like uh, Bharatanatyam, Bollywood dance, basically things that were danced inside the Indian community only. And, and at 14, that was when my uh, experience with belly dance started. As soon as I finished school at 17, 
I traveled to London for the first time to a belly dance festival to study belly dance professionally. Oh, so you right away decided like to go to festival abroad and study it in this way? Or did you find that on a local teacher or someone? <laughs> Because in my own in my own city, the only way to do it was I remember this also. People didn't like to tell other people and it was like so like shush shush and quiet. Okay, we will meet at six o'clock in my house and we will practice some belly dance moves. You can teach me Bollywood and I will teach you belly dance. And this is what used to happen with like Arab ladies and me when I was really young, like uh, in the years of 13, 14, 15. And, and the actual interaction or the actual exchange of moves happened this way. But there wasn't any there wasn't any professional opportunity to learn. There wasn't any um, you know, open surrounding to learn. That's what that's what got me so curious when I was in Egypt at 14. I got so curious. I was like, why? Why is it not practiced comfortably in this country? Even though the music is in Arabic and even though it belongs to similar cultures, why is it so important or difficult to practice it inside a classroom or Why are people not embracing this culture? So for that is when I started to um, study belly dance at 17. When I was going between school and university, I had some gap in the middle. And I went to study um, in London with um, many, many Arab teachers. And that's where I found, that's actually where I found the teacher I was most, most inspired by, whose name was Leila Haddad. And then I went to Paris a bunch of times to do different workshops and classes to study with Leila Haddad. Wow, that's so crazy. Like living in uh, the Middle East, but needing to go to other countries to study ballet dance. Uh, I mean, that's, I guess, the realities. But it's just uh, crazy even to, to think about it. Like what uh, I was about almost to say, like upside down <laughs> world and situation with ballet dances. Yeah, it's, it's it's such a it's such a reverse way to go, you know. Like such a uh, sometimes I feel like when we have something that is our own culture, we don't respect it as much. But when we go outside our own cultures, we realize, wow, people are mm. taking this so seriously. Yeah, you know? that's true. So that is something that I experienced with belly dance for sure. I see. And uh, when you moved to India, how? I, because. I assume you started your uh, school in India already, uh, or have you started teaching already, uh, still living in Oman? Oh, well, I so so when I was 17, before I came to India, like I said, I went for the belly dance festival. And then I moved to India to study further, actually, because I wanted to be, originally, I wanted to be a fashion designer. So I went to fashion school in India, one of the biggest, actually the biggest university is where I got admission. And I went to university, I started university in fashion. But um, dancing was something that I, that was still taking a big part of my, my time. Because even though I went to fashion school, I still went to study jazz at a big company. I went to study Bollywood at another company. I went to study salsa in another company. I went to study Katak in another company. And I went to study hip hop in another company. Mm. So I was just, the idea was just to train professionally in dance. And I just wanted to take the opportunity because I did not have that opportunity as much in Oman. Um, I wanted to take up this opportunity in India to do university, but at the same time to study as much dancing as possible. And that's when um, at, at a dance school where I was teaching salsa, 
I met a lady called Michal, who was from Israel, but she was actually a student of Tamar. Tamar, who's a very famous dancer from Israel. So she was a student of Tamar, and she told me that, you know, you have great skill, and if you want, I would love to exchange my 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 knowledge in belly dance with you. And she, by destiny, she just became one of my other guides or mentors in belly dancing. And and she and she gave me all her knowledge. She shared music with me. You know, she she gave me belly dance in an academic way, not in a only a cultural way, but in an academic way. You know. And and that's when I think Bainans actually professionally entered my life because it just happened because I was so interested in it, but I was not finding the the right guides for it. For that, I had to travel abroad. I had to see Layla Haddad. I had to go study in Paris. But then it so happened that she just came into my life and she shared all her information and everything and all her knowledge about belly dance with me. Mm, that's so beautiful then. We are searching for some guidance and life just send us those amazing people who can help and uh, uh, push forward. And uh, I kind of never believe in these kind of coincidences. It's like if you're looking, if you're really searching for something, you will find like life will just give the, you this opportunity. So that's a beautiful story. <laughs> it is it is true. And I've always believed this. I feel like when you really truly want something, I think eventually it comes to you, you know? And and then when I started studying with Michal, she was teaching me and then she had to, because of some unforeseen circumstances, she had to leave India. So she left India, but then she did tell me that, you know, take this ahead, like practice belly dance and take it seriously and, And I think it left such a deep impression in my heart that I really, really started pursuing it really uh, professionally and I really started practicing. And I went back to Leila Haddad to do another workshop, another training intensive to study with her. And that's when I realized and even the teachers that I was studying with realized and told me that, you know, you have what it takes. So so try to bring this beautiful art to India and make people aware about this this style. And that's when in the end of 2006, 2007, I decided to also start teaching belly dance in India under my own name. It was not Banjara yet. It was just me, Meher Malik. And I was just teaching in my own name. And I think things were slow in the beginning because the, the main reason why things were slow in the beginning was because whenever I tried to teach on an oriental song or I tried to teach uh, something sharky or um, a concept that was more Arab or Egyptian, People could not understand it, to be honest, because for them it was like, ah, but can we try this on some other music or this music is not so inspiring? Because you see, India is a country which is already so, so blessed in culture. So it is so difficult for people, honestly, to to break away from their own culture and actually go deeply into other cultures. I would say now with the coming of belly dance and hip hop and contemporary dance, all this has changed. But but 12 years back when I came, they just wanted to, the possibility of belly dance, but to Indian music. They didn't want to dance um, on Arabic music, you know? That's where the, the problem became the opportunity. And they would ask me questions like, can we not do the same thing on Indian music? And the students would ask me. And I was like, no, definitely not. You know, it's it doesn't make any sense. Um, but that's where eventually the problem became the opportunity. And I realized, you know, Maybe there is something here. Maybe I am able to use belly dance technique 
and my background in classical Indian and my background in Bollywood dance. And maybe I'm able to create something fresh for the audience of India. That's where I, um, and that's where I think the idea of fusion or the idea of bringing different cultures came to me because already I was a product of different cultures. I studied in Oman. I spoke Arabic. I studied French. I came to India and then I went back to France, uh, to, to London, where I found a teacher who was from France, who was actually Arab. I came back to India. I found a teacher who was Israeli. So honestly speaking, I was already like a product of all these different cultures. And, and that's the idea of fusion or the idea of creating something different came to me. Mm. That's actually a very interesting topic and it's very interesting that you were resistant in the beginning to this idea of fusion and then you embraced it and now you're, uh, it's I guess one of your features and one of the things that you are famous in the dance world is for this uh, Bollywood fusion things that you do. But uh, I'd like to sort of ask your opinion about this uh, idea of fusion and mixing dance styles because uh, uh, there are a lot of discussions appearing from time to time in ballet dance world like oh that fusion it may uh, sort of destroy the authenticity of dance or like how as non-Middle Eastern dancers we sometimes change the dance and bring something from different cultures and sort of what's the point of using aren't, aren't those styles uh, amazing on their own already so what is your take on the fusion especially with this story that you were first resistant mm -hmm. that all oh, this doesn't make any sense but then you embraced and you actually took it as opportunity i love how you put it that the problem became opportunity <laughs> so can you share a little bit of your thoughts about this so originally i don't think i was interested in especially when i had studied with strict teachers like uh, leila haddad and i had studied with actually a lot of different that's the first time also at that festival i saw khalid mahmoud i saw a lot of Really, I was only 17 and it was a really impressionable age for me. So for me, at that point of time, belly dance was uh, oriental dance, you know, because even fusion or tribal fusion or American tribal style um, 12 years back was also developing. It was not um, today the kind of with the coming of media and uh, the coming of YouTube. There is a big difference in the way that people are able to see things across the world. But at that point of time, to be honest, even like 12, 15 years back, uh, belly dance was equal to oriental dance or Arab, like from Arab culture, not really something that was not really something that was accepted or or you could I, I, you didn't look at it from as a dancing style from any other part of the world. You looked at it as an Arab dance. And for me, that is what. I thought as well. For me, it was coming from the Middle East. It was coming from Egypt. And this is what my understanding was. So when I came to India and people asked me to, to create fusions, I was like, no way, this is not going to happen. It has to be danced in Egyptian music. It has to be danced to Arabic music. There is no way I'm going to do fusions. Um, so yes, this is what my original take on the dance was. So originally, I was a traditionalist. And, and belly dance or any other dance or any art in the world Is, is created or followed by two types of people, the traditionalists or the futurists, and a third type of people who are able to practice either one of these but still respect the other one. Um, 
even in India, we find many schools, classical schools of dance, which are traditionalist. No, we practice only dance this way, you know, um, only Katak is this way and Odyssey is this way and blah, blah, blah. And we're very strict about our rules and we still follow like the old system to teach students, which is very strict and disciplined and um, structured. And then you have the futurists, which have always been breaking the rules. And it's not just with belly dance. It is also with, you know, we have a very famous contemporary dancer called Astad Debu, and he's always breaking away from all the rules of uh, classical Indian dance. Um, we have many companies which are using uh, classical Indian dance or folk or martial arts from India, but fusing with contemporary dance. So this has already been happening even before I started to do this, to be honest. I'm not the first person to do this. And it has been happening in times before me by people before me as well. Because it is truly dependent on the kind of people that society is made by. There are ones that follow the rules and then there are ones that break the rules. So if people are going to give their opinions about fusion and how it's going to break the community and the art and for me, this is bullshit. This is bullshit because um, at the end of the day, the ones that want to preserve the dance in its truest, truest sense are still going to do it. They are still going to do that. Even in India, there are companies now that are dancing Bharatanatyam and ballet together, um, Chow and contemporary together. But still, there are people that are still pursuing Bharatanatyam just the way it is or Chow just the way it is. So I don't think this is going to break culture or it's going to ruin any one particular dance because there will always be people, there will always be a balance and there will always be people who will be doing both things. Even for me as a student, before I went into any kind of fusion, I first studied, I studied Kathak for I've been, I'm still a student of Kathak. Um, I'm still a student of Odyssey. This morning at 7 a.m. I'm coming from an Odyssey class. Um, I'm still a student of Bollywood dance. So I would say that the one main thing for people to understand who create fusion is to actually create a marriage between two different languages. Um, as compared to saying, okay, I did a workshop in this uh, and I know some basics and I did a workshop in this and I know some basics and now I'm going to put this together and this is fusion, ta-da, but that's not the truth. Um, that is not fusion, that is confusion because you don't know anything, you don't know anything about a serious dancing style, you have not committed your life to it, you don't understand the ethical values of each dancing style, you don't know what can offend the cultures in different parts of the world, you don't understand the languages. So I would say the time when I started creating fusion, like I said, firstly, it was the problem that created the opportunity. Because people were so unaware about belly dance. It was only something that was done at, you know, clubs and restaurants and, you know, only families that could afford dancers from abroad. And it was not even considered a serious professional dancing style in India. Um, so I took that as an opportunity to educate people about belly dancing, but going in a reverse direction. Okay, let me try to bring uh, belly dance movement and ideas and cultures and, and music sense, but trying to do that through the Indian culture. And you will be surprised 
how many similarities you find between the Egyptian and the Indian culture. Unbelievable amounts of similarities in the maqams, in the scales, in, in, the, in, in the mood, in, in the concept and idea of tarab, in, in so many concepts and so many ideas, because somewhere we are also very deep cultures, you know, going back thousands and thousands of years. So I, I took the, the, the help and the assistance of these ideas and kind of started putting that inside my Bollywood or in putting it into um, interpreta- interpretation of something in a uh, Tarab style or lyrical interpretation or putting something inside a classical Indian interpretation. And along the way, I always had guidance from people who were already practicing belly dance seriously, professionally, and also classical Indian dance professionally. So I always took their opinions and I always took um, I always took their guidance and I always tried to understand what was the best way to bring the two worlds together, but still not completely break away and still not um, offend anybody with what I was doing. Of course, unfortunately, even if you try to do the best that you can, there will still be people that will be offended, obviously. This will still happen because there is no, there is going to be no um, line to this. There is no line to this. But I would only say the guidelines that have kept me sane or the guidelines which today even even make classical Indian dancers um, respect my work or even dancers in Egypt. I have even taught in Egypt and my dancers are now... Uh, Kazafi troop India, because my the teachers I study with understand the approach with which I work. So even when I'm e- in Egypt, I'm performing like a story of uh, Indian gods and goddesses, but I'm dancing it in Alif Leila Ulela, which is by Uncle Sum. But they under but but because my research or my work in this field has gone to the degree of understanding the culture, the music, the language, the dancing styles. The people that I presented in front of today understand where I'm coming from. But it has taken many, many years to achieve this also. So I would say my my guidance to anybody who's who's trying to understand the idea of fusion has to first understand what they're trying to fuse. And have you committed enough time of your life to both those things or three of those things or four of those things to create fusion? You cannot possibly just attend a two-hour workshop in Bollywood and say, now I'm a Bollywood teacher because I have studied a workshop in Bollywood. What you uh, just said was amazing and brilliant and I'm uh, absolutely stealing this quote from you. <laughs> What is not fusion, that is confusion. And it just like so embraced like all aspects of it. And uh, um, I love fusion uh, a lot, but I don't like when people try to hide their uh, inexperience in either of the styles, but calling it fusion. Yeah, and uh, it's always a nice uh, balance because in uh, Toronto here, we have a, a big uh, um, community from India, um, immigrants from India, and they often invite ballet dancers. And every time someone calls me from India, every single time people will ask, oh, but can you dance to Bollywood songs? I'm like, why do, why do you need ballet dancer? <laughs> like, 
I'm not a Bollywood dancer. Why do you need ballet dancer if you want me to perform to those songs? It's always a fine balance and it's like uh, every time is a um, kind of a negotiation back and forth of how much I can uh, do to Bollywood uh, songs and how much it needs still to be Arabic, even for me to be able to perform nicely. But it's very interesting that... Um, you were telling how even in India, uh, probably because of such a popularity of Bollywood culture, and not only Bollywood, uh, I'm just picking one of the dance styles, but in general, like classical Indian dance and uh, all this uh, huge, huge uh, cult, culture and heritage, uh, how much, uh, uh, how big role it plays probably in Indian culture and that people are so connected to it that it's, uh, even if they take some other than styles, they still want to connect it to uh, what's close to them. And this brings me actually to uh, another question. Actually, before before you ask me the next question, I would like to say something to you on the basis of what you just told me. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's the one of the one of the ways or the reason that you're saying is it, it does make a lot of sense that um, of course that because we have so much culture and we're already so attached to it, it only makes sense that we would like to bring things closer to what we already practice and already you know um, believe and follow. But one of the other reasons you're always asked to do that, or and you're not the first, uh, you're not the first foreigner belly dancer outside of uh, India who is telling me this. I often am asked by belly dancers, even from outside India, to choreograph, to actually choreograph um, like uh, tutorials for them, just so that they can be able to perform uh, belly dance in parties uh, with Indian songs. I have been asked this by many foreign belly dancers before, also. The reason, one of the major reasons that this happens is because Arab culture or Arab music has a big part to play inside Bollywood. And this has been happening not not just now, not just recently. It has been happening since the 40s and the 50s. Um, Many famous belly dancers... I think there was a lady called Nadia Gamal. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. there was a, 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 a dancer, Nadia Gamal. You know how in old Egyptian movies there would be a club and Suhir Zaki or Tahia Karioka will be dancing inside a club and people will be watching, uh, will be watching and enjoying this with their family and their couples and partners. The same way Indian movies was was highly, highly influenced by this idea also. And we also had the idea and the concept of cabaret. So in Indian movies, also dancers like Nadia Gamal, who came from Egypt to dance in Bollywood movies, existed. And then we also had a very, very famous dancer called Helen, who also was uh, she was studied. She had studied cabaret, burlesque, uh, belly dance. And she was one of the biggest, biggest, um, you know, like uh, dancers in Bollywood movies. So Indian audiences have been um, watching a, a kind of belly dance slash cabaret uh, slash this idea of nightclub since the 40s. So it is, it is, it is part. Actually, it is part of our culture also, to be honest. And and then things started changing. They started getting, uh, you know, af- but these were like original girls from cabaret, you know, who actually had studied ballet and belly dance and um, burlesque. And this was like in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. And then they eventually started training Bollywood dancers or or Bollywood actresses. Of course, they didn't actually have training. They would only teach them five days and six or seven steps of belly dance. And and then they would put this inside their choreographies as well. 
But often there is a very often, like at least once a year, there will be a movie which is set inside Turkey or Egypt or Syria or and and that movie will have a song and an idea of the nightclub reinvented again. And it'll again have a Hindi song, but it'll have the same idea of the nightclub and the belly dance and the same setting. So you see this idea of belly dance being inside the nightclubs or the way it has been done in Egyptian movies, this idea has still not left the Indian community. Mm-hmm. So so people still so people still want to attach themselves to the idea and that's why they ask you to dance to an Indian song because Indian media is still very much connected to it. That's so interesting because now you are telling all this and I realize uh, how much actually it was uh, related to my case at least because people often send me some music since I have no idea about Bollywood world. Like I have now I have a little playlist of my songs to go if I need that I'm aware. But once in a while people will send me some music. Oh, can you dance to this music? And then I search it and then I found it. Oh, it's from a movie and the movie scene is exactly how you describe. It's like either cabaret or some, I don't know, nightclub or like restaurant. And it's Indian dancer. It's a Bollywood dancer or actress, but who plays the role of sort of belly dancer. <laughs> so it's so funny to hear now you connecting actually these dots because before I didn't really have this understanding of why it's happening, and um, now it's very uh, interesting insight and this little connection from media even point of view between Arab culture and Indian culture and why this happens. Yeah, I think it's one of the. For me, it's one of the main reasons. And like I said, there's a lot of uh, crisscross in the community. There's a lot of uh, similarities in culture, in music, in food, in uh, even in, in the language. There are so many words in Arabic that are used in Urdu in India. So there is a lot of, uh, there's so many, so many Muslims in India. It's a huge country. So, of course, Muslims make a big population of the country as well. So I think there's a lot of um, crisscross, you know, there's a lot of... Um, Uh, exchange of culture that has happened between the Arab world and the Indian world. That actually brings me to my following question because we know Indian, uh, at least from foreigners' point of view, we know like oh, Indian culture is so connected to music and dance and, and Bollywood movies we all see. So they are sort of part of everyday life of people. But what is... Uh, attitude or is there any i don't know stereotypes or in general the attitude to dance profession in india and also specifically to belly dance profession so i would say i you know like i always tell people living in india that when you live in a country for years like since you're born you're not actually able to tell how much it has changed But when you come to a country from another country and you watch its progress, because you're older, you know, you you have more maturity. So when I came to India, I was 17 and I saw India in a certain light. I saw it in a certain way. And now when I'm 30, I'm able to see India in a completely new way because I was already an adult at 17. And between 17 and 30, I'm able to make so many comparisons about how the India has changed even in the last 10, 12 years. So when I came to India in 2006 uh, and eventually started to learn dance, uh, different dancing styles, and eventually started to teach belly dance classes, I would say I was faced with a lot of um, ignorance about belly dance, number one. Number two, like I said, 
it was believed that belly dance was only something that people could hire dancers from. And don't mind me saying this, but often it was only dancers that people would bring from either you know, Ukraine or Uzbekistan or Russia. And, and it was, you know, it was considered like a rich man's, you know, uh, like if I'm a man who has money, I will hire dancers from these countries and I will pay them and it will show my status in society. Do you understand what I'm so, so somewhere it was related to like, I can afford to bring foreigner dancers or international dancers from these countries. And, and that's, that's what it is. So when I used to try to, you know, promote myself as an artist and I would tell people, okay, I will dance this set for this much time. This will be my charge. People used to always say, but why will we, why will we hire an Indian dancer when we can get a Russian dancer? And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Um, and I, and, and, you know, and the sad part would be that often they did not actually invite good dancers, like people who committed their dance, you know, their life to belly dance. Like each country has, each country has good dancers and crap dancers, of course, you know? So, so they would like bring the dancers that were easily available, who would come on like long contracts and, you know, who would work for like shit money and, and. And, and, and for them, it was just valuable because at the end of the day, it was foreigners. So, so for me, I didn't have any value. I didn't have any value because, A, you know, I'm brown skin. I'm Indian. Like, nobody cares for me because how can a girl with brown skin belly dance? You know, it's only it has to be somebody from a foreign country who belly dances. So I had no respect. I had no uh, even if I told them that. But I studied belly dance. I have studied for many years. I have been part of the culture. I speak the language. I understand the music. No, but they didn't care. Nobody cared about that. In my own country, I faced racism. It was quite unbelievable in a certain way. You know, it was really unbelievable. Yeah, that's uh, crazy. Yeah, it is. Uh, but in my own country, I was faced by this because my place was taken by foreigners, dancers who were coming from different parts of the world. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I got a few gigs here and there. And, and, you know, I also had to make it the hard way. A few, I danced at a few restaurants. I danced at a few club, nightclubs. So I did have it. I did. And this is when I was like 17, 18. I was really, really young. Uh, uh, I was young, you know, and, and I did not enjoy that because for me, I wanted to dance in like, I wanted to dance in a, in a more, uh, I won't say respectable because it's not necessary that people who dance in clubs or restaurants don't have respect, but I wanted to dance in a more artistic way. I wanted to dance with dancers. I wanted to dance. I wanted to teach people belly dance. I wanted to create, you know, uh, something interesting with belly dance. You know, my dream was not limited to only dancing, you know, in public spaces for people. That was not, that was not my dream. But I had to obviously use that path. And I started working for really, really cheap because, of course, nobody wanted to hire me. So I had to work for like, uh, you know, it's just unbelievable amounts of money, like 50, you know, $50 a night, like dancing one hour. You know, um, it was quite it was quite unbelievable in terms of the amount of money I was getting paid. But but they hired me on a regular basis. So eventually it became good money and things like that. But I would say eventually it took a lot of time and to be honest the thing that actually actually changed it was television how much ever work i must have done how much ever classes i must have taught first there was five students in classes then it became 10 then it became 15 then it became 20 i was still faced by this constant thing of okay so how much do you charge okay i charge this much okay so what else can you offer us in the package so there was this, there was always this other 
you know, if you're dancing in a nightclub or if you're dancing in a restaurant, it means you must, must be having another side business, you know? Um, so I would say it's really, you know, now the world has changed and it's really stupid to even discuss this anymore. But, but prostitution and belly dance for Indians was the same thing 10 years back, honestly speaking. It was the same thing. If I was a dancer, it means that it is necessary that after my dance hours, I will be having another profession. It was like a very understood thing. And often, 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 I was asked this by clients, by guests, by dancers. And in that situation, all I could say, I mean, I would I would often, because I live in India uh, and I learn things the hard way, often I would, you know, like I would use crass language or inappropriate language, you know, to insult that person because it's, I could not think of anything else. You know, I would just like, I would give an equivalent to, you know, I don't know, an equivalent to any English, uh, bad, bad, abusive word, because there was nothing else I could think of. And I was a young girl, you know, and the fact that people wanted to talk to me like this or ask me, I couldn't at first, you know, the first time when people spoke to me like this, I didn't even understand it. I was like, what is this guy asking? What does he want? What is he saying? So when I was really young, I couldn't even understand it. But then I started to understand what people are actually asking me. And then I think I learned it the hard way. And I learned to, bam, you know, answer back to people like this. So I was often faced with this thing. Firstly, this. And then when I was also teaching belly dance, I was often faced with, you know, parents and friends and other people in society asking me questions like, you know, my daughter wants to learn belly dance, but I'm so afraid that men will look at her in a bad way. Should I still? And I was like, you know what? How your daughter, how people look at your daughter is in her hands. If she's going to go and do things or make choices that are wrong for her, people are going to look look at her that way. Whether she belly dances or she doesn't belly dance, whether she wears a mini skirt or doesn't, whether she has, uh, you know, uh, men, male friends or female friends, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, the way she carries herself is how people will see her. So I, I was disappointed by society many, many times. But I still never gave up because I still had those 15 or 20 people who still believed in my work, who still saw, who respected me for what I did. And I think things truly, truly changed when I went on television to India's Got Talent in 2009, which, by the way, I did not want to go. I did not want to do television. I was like, oh, my God, it's going to be another thousand million people who are going to, you know, say horrible things to me. I don't want to go because that's already what I was facing, you know. Uh, and I didn't want to go. So the first time they called me, I said, I'm sick. The second time they called me, I said, I'm not in town. The third time they called me and they said, listen, you don't even need to audition. Just directly come to the judges room. We have heard about you. We've heard about you from students. We've heard about you from little, little clubs that you've danced in. And we've heard that you are really talented. We want to show your talent to India. And that's when I thought, you know, maybe this is a sign. Maybe this is a good thing. And I just followed my instinct and I went to the TV show and everything changed after that everything my whole life changed after that that's so uh, crazy i had no idea about this story like i mean i know that uh, you participated in india got talent but uh, to be so bold and brave and confident in your beliefs that you refused television like twice and only third time you agreed because uh, like let's be honest like for many girls for many dancers like being on television it's 
one of the dreams and uh, that was a big shows like across the world like india got talent or i don't know canada got talent ukraine got talent it was like worldwide uh, uh show and uh, just be so being so confident in your beliefs that i mean in this case it was probably a combination of what you believe like the past should look like and also thinking that the, this will bring only more uh problems and issues this this um no objective objectification sorry my english objectification yeah. yes yeah. uh from people and uh, i guess it was a balance between like fears and uh, uh being confident in what uh, your path should look like but uh, i had no idea about this story like it's like three times uh, it got them three times to make you go on the show but i'm very happy they actually persuaded you <laughs> that they were consistent you know but 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 to be really honest um even even going on the show of course like when when the when the celebrity judges you know in front of the whole world if the celebrity judges are going to say hey this is belly dance and we really we we validate this dancer and we say that yes this girl is she knows what she's talking about that's when you know when it's said on tv then the whole world believes it that's the power of the media actually you know but even though even though to be honest with you in a certain way i did not do what was absolutely appropriate because i danced on like shik shak shok okay the first time i went on television and shik shak shok is actually like it's a belly number you know the the way you dance it the way the costume is the way you do everything is a little different um you know you wear a galabia or you you show you the nuances of the style is a little different but when i went on the show it was difficult to do belly you know because they they did not want me to wear a full galabia of course they wanted me to wear like a bedla like a tri- typical two piece costume they also wanted me to do like some tricks you know like a turkish drop they wanted me to do many shimmies and so so somewhere they also put like some spices in this you know what i mean it was it was difficult to it was difficult to even do belly dance in even if i wanted to um it was a little difficult to do it in a, in the purest way because to be honest india does not really understand like today if i am going to go on indian television and if i will play an um kulsum song and i will do an emotional oriental piece nobody in india is going to understand that and and somehow they're not even going to really try to you know what i mean they they're not really even going to make an effort yeah but, but i think it's problem not not with india it's this television because i hear this kind of stories like all across the countries either it's in yes, uh, us or, or russia or ukraine and how many people needed to adopt yeah you know? because because if you see ala kushnir if you see ala kushnir if you see sadi uh, and her and her partner i think she went with one of her uh, sadi mm-hmm. and kaya maybe yeah. whoever wherever you see belly dancers all across the world on so and so's got talent i think it's always like that they always make it like a big show you know like a like a like some stereotypical orientalist uh, stereotype uh, some kind of uh, imaginary idea of belly dance you know uh so yeah i think somewhere that if i would have had a choice maybe i would have done something a little different but they wanted something that was really like powerful and had some tricks and had some crazy moves and and, and i think at the end of the day I, i i gave them that you know i i also had to kind of like change my um my belief system a little bit to give them for the greater good because i thought that the first fear i had was shit if i go on a television show are they going to make belly dance look bad are they going to are they going to is it going to 
affect the respect of the dancing style. But then in, something in my heart said, no, they actually want belly dance, you know, in a certain way. So yes, they made it a little commercial. They made it a little um, according to the needs of uh, commercial television. But I think it gave me the right kind of platform to do all the things that I would like to do with belly dance eventually in the years to come, you know? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a great story. And uh, coming back to what we just were talking uh, just before that, uh, the idea of uh, dealing with all those stereotypical uh, beliefs about ballet dancers, something that you did a couple of months ago on your social media really struck me and still is in my mind. <laughs> so I'll just go back a little bit, describe that situation, and then asking your uh, input or why, why, why it was exactly like this, uh, your reaction. But I remember you put on your stories one not very pleasant conversation that you had. Basically, some guy messaged you inquiring about show. And in the beginning, it looked all good. <laughs> uh, like you referred to your official email, etc. But then uh, his uh, messages slowly, or actually not that slowly, quite quickly con um, transformed into some request. Oh, can you do belly dance in bikini? something like that yeah. yeah 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 and what i <laughs> what i loved about your actions that you actually you did not engage with him you didn't react anyhow you didn't put any i don't know like long philosophical post about how women's life is difficult which i respect but i sometimes when i see those posts like okay this is about everything and nothing but you took a very specific and clear action you just posted it publicly and tagging that guy in your post, in your stories, that was the case. <laughs> and that was like, it was so subtle, but so brilliant. Like, it's like no reaction, it's just showing it to the world. And I can only imagine, like, uh, I think uh, he deleted his account, like, within a few hours, <laughs> because there's so many angry people probably messaging him. So uh, can you Tell a little bit about your approach now, because even you were saying that 12, 13 years ago, it was one reaction and you learned your hard, hard way how to deal with those situations. But what is your approach now? How you... Because it's not very pleasant to get those kind of messages. Like I know like every belly dancer, I'm absolutely sure every belly dancer who put their work online or on public in any way, they will at some point... To, to bigger or less degree confront these kind of situations or those kind of people. So what would be your advice or your take on how you deal with this now? I would, I would say that there's two very important things that guide my life. Number one, you cannot make everyone happy. Number two, don't keep expectations from people. Now, the reason... I have seen often people getting into public discussions and like in and I sometimes see really, really big, respectful dancers who get into, you know, big public conversations and use abusive language online. And, you know, it's so like uh, it's not very becoming. It's not very, very uh, I don't think it's very um, motivating or inspiring because I feel like. When you are in the public eye, or if you choose to share your art with the world, number one, there are going to be people that disagree with it. There are going to be people that do not like it. There are going to be people, there are going to be people who will obviously, especially men, which happens, you know, more often than you can imagine, 
there will be men that are going to say inappropriate things to women. At the end of the day, the belly dance costume is um, is is provocative. It is you know it is um, you know it is it is sensual. It is it is all those things. So we can't take away from the fact that belly dance is a sensual dance. And men and cultures and societies have not actually been trained to deal with sensuality, with maturity. And I think this is something I understood very, very young in my life. I was always like a rebellious girl and I always did things very differently. And I always faced all kinds of issues for that, whether it was getting suspended from school or it was falling into trouble with the people on the streets or because of my opinions or arguments with people. And I have, because of all of this, also learned that at the end of the day, people are going to say what they want to say. And you are not responsible to change that. And you are not responsible to say what or 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 responsible to teach them what they what they should or should not be doing. But I think the best thing is to live by example. Now, I often get opportunities to do things in, in, in Bollywood, which is like, okay, now there's a club and you have to do this in a club and blah, blah, blah. And this is the scene and you have to come and belly dance in this club. And they, they will give me the most stereotypical scenario. And, and, and now, because I'm in a position to say no, and I'm in a, in a space where I have done enough for belly dancing where I can protect it and preserve it and I don't need to uh, make decisions that are derogatory for belly dance, I use that power and that responsibility to make sure that my actions are respectable for belly dance, are um, sensible for the future of belly dance in this country. And I say no to thousands of Bollywood opportunities every, every year, because at the end of the day, it's the same story. They want me to look like a bar dancer. They want me like to men, men are drinking alcohol and I'm entertaining men. And I completely disagree and do not do these kind of things in, but I have not taken any opportunity in Bollywood to do that. So for me somewhere, I carry myself with a certain kind of responsibility towards belly dance. Now, in this process, there will still be people who don't understand that and who will still look at my costuming or look at the fact that I'm an opinionated woman or I'm really free-spirited and they will make comments about these things. And this man only said something, actually, it wasn't even that big. You know, there are men who have said, like, how much can I buy you for? How much will you cost for one night? Uh, you know, will you come to Dubai for my sheikh and 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 the sh- only the sheikh will touch you and nobody else will touch you? There have been amazing amounts of uh, of uh, you know <laughs> things like these. But I think engaging in my my hu- actually this is something also my husband says. He says arguing with a fool only proves that there are two fools. And that is what it is, honestly speaking. If I am going to come down to the level of somebody who does not, just the fact that he can make a comment like that already means that he is not at an emotional or an intellectual level that I am, or a level of awareness and consciousness that I am standing at. So what is the point of actually having a discussion or a debate with him? There is no point. There is no point. But I should still not shy away from sharing with people that hello, I am I being an ordinary human being, I'm facing this every day. So if as a woman you are going through this, do not be afraid to share it with the world. What is the worst that he can do after that? If you share it with the world publicly, what can he do to you? And if someone wishes to debate with me, I will never shy away from a debate. 
but i don't believe in encouraging you know uh, i don't believe in encouraging that kind of negativity either if you want to come to me face to face and you want to talk to talk to me about it i will come and talk to you i'm not afraid but there is no need to give you explanations or say things or there is no need all i need to show is the true colors of this human being in front of the world and that's it action is already taken like before you know it hundreds of people have already hundreds hundreds of people have already you know um you know uh, complained about that profile and before you know it the profile is already down so there isn't much i need to do and to be honest it actually raised a curiosity and an encouragement in a lot of women because a lot of women started doing that you know they started you know creating online platforms where they started talking about men who were discussing things like these with women and to be really honest with you there was a time 5 years back where this used to happen to me at least once a day now because of my because of being so forthright publicly this doesn't even happen to me once like once in 5 months or 6 months anymore you know because it is action i took strict action bam you talk to me like this i'm going to show the world who you are finish i don't need to say nothing let the world see yeah that's so true like actions are always louder than any words so absolutely and i live by that you know i live by that when it comes to my dancing i'm very very creatively uh, i'm very creatively ethical about what i do number one and when it comes about issues like these where people say things or they want to i'm not a people pleaser i'm not here to make you happy anyway i'm not here to do things for you i'm living my life and in this process if you're going to insult me or if you're going to say something that is you know affecting me as a woman i'm not going to go all feminist and you on you and be like oh my god this is how a woman should be and look how women are treated no i will just show the world how you are if i am carrying myself with dignity i don't need to show the true colors of anybody else i just need to show who i am that's all ah that's so true and uh, i also love what your husband said that, like don't argue with fools because then it's two fools in the room <laughs> it's so much true and also very encouraging to hear that uh, you have such a supportive uh, uh and uh, a nice relationships and uh, the husband who understands and supports and uh, even in all that uh, i don't know ocean of like so many stereotypes and uh, negative discussions and uh, not that nice talks from guys there's still true and nice uh, relationships can be found and supported so that's really uh, really encouraging and i know a lot of girls sometimes at some point of their balladance journey kind of question themselves if they want to continue with ballet dance or not because as we talked uh, ballet dance even in the costume itself it's kind of provocative it's like uh, uh, for many people it's like half naked <laughs> women on stage so even the costume itself not even talking about movement or mood they put already in this i mean i don't really know how to word it but what i'm trying to say is um it sort of not asks but gives opportunity to those people and guys to to show up let's say in the way that they are showing up not in a nice way but my question is do you think balladance in general does it put women in a position of victim with everything that it comes together with this dance form or does it has any tools to empower women like Is there a balance like what's what's your opinion 
or message to those who are sort of debating if they want to continue with ballet dance because of all these uh, uh, objective objectifications and negative like messages that they receive or maybe they should stop like what would you say on that I would say it's a possibility of both things. I think it's a possibility of becoming a victim, but it is it is it is a higher possibility of fighting away from people trying to make you the victim. See, belly dance is anybody any practitioner of belly dance who's going to say that I don't understand why people do this with belly dance or I don't it's going to be stupid because belly dance I mean it's it's women centric yes mostly predominantly it's women centric so anything women centric it's going to have its own issues because of patriarchy because of uh, you know uh, the oppression of women so of course we are going to have issues anyway because already we're women and number two, we're belly dancers okay so we have to be prepared for the fact that that's going to happen anyway now i would say in belly da- in india particularly belly dance has played a very very important role in actually creating a cultural shift in the women it has and i have seen this happen uh, a few years back i had i was a docu- I, i i did a documentary for an islamic university um there was an islamic university in india that asked me to do a documentary on the subject how has belly dance changed the indian woman that was the subject that was actually the subject that they cho- that they chose for their documentary and to be honest until i did this documentary i really didn't understand what a big role me and belly dance had to play in, play in this country now let's 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 understand i can't speak for the world but i can definitely speak for india so i will i will, I will speak about it from the point of view of um, what i have experienced in in india so in india somewhere a woman's life is decided by first her father or her brother then her husband and then her son okay it's kind of like the father decides what the daughter should do and then the husband makes you know rules about what the wife should do or should not do oh my husband doesn't like it or oh, my husband doesn't like me to belly dance or oh, my husband doesn't like me to dress like this or oh, my you know and then eventually the son has some kind of role to play in 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 the mother's life a protective kind of a role to play so that means somewhere in the indian culture a woman cannot decide what she wants to do with her body does she want to use it to belly dance does she want to use it to um, be a sports person does she want to use it to uh, wear you know wear small clothes wear long clothes wear sexy clothes uh, it's it's something where the access to a woman's body is somewhere that a perm- that is permission given by a man and i find that really rid- ridiculous because in certain families girls cannot wear shorts on a hot summer day because the father does not allow it and i don't understand this i don't understand this because it's the woman's body no man should have the right to decide what a woman should be wearing should be doing should be acting it's not a man's decision it is a woman's decision her own decision so belly dance has played a big role in teaching women how to say no so when a woman comes to belly dance for the first time at least this is the story f- some few years back um women were so uncomfortable they would not pick their t-shirts up they would not show their bellies and i always told my students listen it's not mandatory if you don't want to pick up your t-shirt you don't have to 
Do it when you feel like. If you don't want to show your tummy, you don't want to show your belly, it's your problem. No problem. You don't have to have to do it. Eventually, I saw these women change. Women that were told they were fat and ugly, women that were told that, you know, don't, you know, you can't show skin. All these women started making a decision for themselves in the class. But eventually, that that kind of shift that they started making in their classes or that kind of decision that they started making in their classes, okay, I'm a belly dancer. I'm going to show my body. I'm going to show skin. Automatically, that decision started to be, to, to make to, to create changes in the other decisions that they started making in their lives. Because they started being able to say, no, this is my body and I'm going to do what I want to do with it. I'm a belly dancer and I'm going to wear this costume, even if it looks sexy or provocative to you, I'm going to do it. So this led to like a, it, it started with a very simple change, but eventually it led to a lot of other changes because most belly dancing women that I have or serious belly dancers that I have in my life are also very, very strong, independent women. So it's kind of like a two-way process. Belly dancing now is attracting very strong, independent women in India, and it is also creating very strong, independent women in India. So even if we are victimized, even if we are taken or like spoken to in a certain way, we're a strong community and we know how to defend ourselves and we know how to take care of each other. And I think that's that's why I said that you can be a victim. But if you choose for this change to happen to you, there is a higher chance that you will be able to because true strength also only comes when you are oppressed, because think of it this way, when. India also achieved its freedom or fought for its freedom when it had somebody coming to, you know, um, plunder its, its, uh, its, its society, its culture, when they came to oppress the country. Even racism and ap- apartheid, like Nelson Mandela, all of these people or these, these, these journeys have actually, actually started when there was somebody pressing them. So when people were pressing belly dancers or oppressing them or showing them down, this is when a movement of women started. And, you know, it's it's it happened in belly dance. It happened in other fields. It happened. You know, women have been oppressed too long. And belly dance is one of those places which allows so physically, so mentally, so emotionally to break away from that oppression. That's so true. And such an amazing reminder that, first of all, Everything depends on your own action and reaction. Uh, And whatever happens, it's under your control. As well as, uh, I loved how you sort of put it in a way that when we come to belly dance class, we sometimes don't realize that we are coming to much more than just a dance class or like physical movement class. We are coming into new philosophy or it will change so much uh, everything else in life because um, belly dance it's one of those dance forms that very often women I mean those who are not really familiar with belly dance in general and they we don't come to belly dance class usually to have right away oh, I want to be a professional belly dance like this happens but that's not that's more exceptions usually women come for two reasons either fitness or oh, this is nice alternative to some boring gym exercises so that's one of the reasons or another reason specifically for belly dance what I feel is trying to find uh, own femininity 
yes, trying to absolutely. find a sense of spirituality or some, maybe not put in these words, but some more psychological or more soul calling why they go specifically to I actually I actually think it's 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 a very natural calling because women are life women women is the life force she is the creator so somewhere I feel like the the need to find something like belly dance or the need to um you know find your femininity is actually to be able to create like a spiritual nature connection with your womb somewhere you know um it is something that is already part of who we are. But in the process of being oppressed or in the process of all the roles that women have to play, somewhere this connection with her natural self is lost. And I feel somewhere belly dance brings you back. It's like, you know, it's like going to a chiropractor. You go to a chiropractor and he realigns your body. I feel like belly dance kind of realigns your feminine divine connection, you know? Mm. Yeah, it's beautiful. Well, I feel we can talk and talk hours and hours uh, because there are so many insights into, like we just touched two sort of like ma major topics in Baladins, like one about fusion and another about uh, this uh, um, femininity and uh, women's rights and uh, reaction to all those stereotypes. But uh, before I ask our final podcast question, can you first please tell our listeners where is the best way to follow your activities? And is there any current projects that you are working on or many upcoming trips that you'd like to, uh, to share with our listeners? Okay, so... Um... One of the best ways to follow me, obviously, is on Instagram because I'm very active on Instagram at Banjaran, Banjaran Meher. That's what I'm called on Instagram. Also, we usually upload our work on YouTube on Banjara School of Dance YouTube channel. Um, also, not within, not not during this year because this year I have a lot of uh, travel and workshop plans within India itself. But next year I am trying to plan uh, a North America and Latin America tour next year. Mm -hmm. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah. So Canada is, I actually had a word with somebody recently about a workshop in Canada also. So it's possible that North America, Canada and Latin America might happen next year as a tour. And of course, people will know well in advance. So I will share those details soon. And um, I am actually organizing um, our annual production on the 25th of August this year, which we will also go, we will also share online. And this year we're going to be, this year the showcase is called Globally. And we're basically talking about addressing the major global issues in the world. Then we're going to address all these issues through belly dancing. So that's what's that's that that what we're working on uh, this year. That's awesome. I definitely will put all links to your social media in the show notes. So for people, it's easier. Uh, whoever is listening now, you can either search directly on uh, Instagram or YouTube, or you can go to show uh, notes and click the links there to connect and follow um, Harris' activities. Also looking forward to hopefully uh, seeing you in Canada next year, 2019. That's exciting. Um I saw some of your performances live. I had the pleasure. We actually briefly met, I think it was 2010 uh, in Cairo at Nile Group Festival. That's when I first time met you ah, cool, and yeah. discovered about... Cool. Yeah, because of course I know your face. Your face is familiar to me already. And I knew that we've met. 
And I did think it was my 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 doubts was that yes, I think Egypt was where we had maybe. <laughs> yeah, we had some photos together, but it was a brief, a very yeah. brief. Uh, um, meeting and uh, since then I start following your activities and uh, getting inspiration even for myself like about from everything uh, that you do and uh, your belly uh, wood fusion is definitely amazing and uh, I'm one of the lines waiting for those video tutorials <laughs> for sure uh, I also know that you actually put video tutorials on YouTube so I highly encourage all listeners go and check Meher's uh, YouTube channel because there is not only performances there is a lot of cool cool useful stuff for dancers of any levels so definitely check that out and uh, Meher I'd like to really thank you so much for finding time to spend with us and sharing uh, your awesomeness. I feel that this conversation will be so much encouraging and uh, empowering to so many listeners. And uh, I'm looking forward to them also to reach out to, to you and uh, or through me so I can resend to you and share their thoughts and uh, their takeaways. Because those things that we talked about, they are part of belly dance realities unfortunately although they're not very pleasant but i kind of will rephrase what you put uh, you put it about fusion but even on those uh, um, things of uh, female rights and uh, all those uh, ab sexuality and uh, uh, like abuses or whatever stereotypes we are dealing with we can also transform the problem into opportunity even this that is the main <laughs> that is the main takeaway for the day <laughs> even this those very very unpleasant situations so thank you so much for being on the podcast thank you so much it was such a pleasure talking to you thank you so much it was my pleasure <laughs> first of uh, first of all but um i finish every podcast with the same question and i love hearing uh, different replies as well as finding similarities in people's responses but the question is what makes you fall in love with ballet dance again and again so you keep doing it for so many years? Hmm. <laughs> so firstly, I would say that I never actually, I actually never chose dance. Dance chose me. Because it was never something that I, as a young girl, my dream was only to be a fashion designer. I never ever saw myself as a professional dancer. But dance found its way to me. And I think the one thing that the most important thing that keeps me um, belly dancing and, you know, staying with this dance form and growing with it is the fact that belly dancing is a very open, um, constantly evolving and li liberating dance form. Uh, it, 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 it is always accepting. I mean, we've also had these discussions about fusions and oriental dance and Belly dance in itself exists in so many possible realities. It's kind of like life. Multiple interpretations of the same thing is possible. And, and I think it is always also ready to change. Um, maybe somewhere if it wasn't ready to change, you and I would not be having this conversation today, you know. But because belly dance is ever changing, ever evolving, and liberating, and I have seen the impact it has had on my life and the healing impact it has had on the lives of other women, I feel like the goal of belly dance is not actually just to teach dance. The goal of belly dance is actually truly to heal and empower. And that is the one thing that keeps me 
keeps, and that's the reason that belly dance stays in my life. Mm. I also love how you added adjective liberating, even despite everything that we talked about <laughs> in the interview. I think it's amazing reminder and encouragement for everyone uh, in the belly dance world. <laughs> it's, it's really self self discovery, true true self discovery from the inside out. You know, <laughs> guys. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. And if you like this episode, it will mean a world to me if you take a few seconds and leave us a review on iTunes or share it with your friends. Also, you can always find more information about podcast as well as past episodes at yanadance.com slash podcast. As well as you can connect with me on social media by Yana Dance or Yana Komarnitska. I'm very active on Instagram as well as Facebook and share a lot of tips and inspiration for your daily ballet dance life. And by the way, don't forget to subscribe to podcasts so you never miss a future episode. And until next time, keep shimming.